I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome into the Denver Stiff Show, the inaugural episode, the first podcast of the first ever Denver Stiff Show. For whatever reason, this site has never had a Denver Stiff Show. How about that? It's very bizarre, uh, but we're trying some new things here at Denver Stiffs. Really excited to kind of get into that. And to help me kick things off, I could think of no one better than to bring the entire crew that's going to be at Pepsi Center this year covering the Denver Nuggets uh, for Denver Stiffs and in the best way possible. I am Ryan Blackburn, site manager of Denver Stiffs. Sitting across from me is Zach Mikosh, deputy editor. Zach, how are you doing, man? I am doing well, sir. Happy for this. is I figure this is my uh, fourth media day now. So It's my first, and I'm the site manager, and it was <laughs> entirely frightening today. However, I thought I thought things went pretty well. Like there, there wasn't any major issues. Or can I can I respectfully disagree? Uh, sure. Yeah. What's what's so, up? So this is the first time we've ever had a, a media day where we went and talked to the players, then had to go down to the press conference with the coach and Tim Connolly, and then had to go back up uh, and talk to the players. And and I appreciate and maybe it actually worked out really well. I appreciate PR doing this for us. They gave us more time in between guys. Um, and instead of it just being rapid fire, rapid fire, and we're all scrambling trying to get quotes, like they gave us all the time to do that. But it was really weird to to kind of have this middle break. And they even had the they cut Nicola's press conference short because they were like, all right, we have to go down. Coach is talking to them. We have to go downstairs. So that part was a little bit weird. yeah, very bizarre. But but from the Denver Stiffs perspective, oh, yeah, I excellent. thought we did great. Yeah, uh, sitting across from me next to Zach is. One of the newest members of the Denver Stiffs group, it is social media director Jenna Garcia. Jenna, how are you doing? What's up, guys? I'm good. I'm excited to be here. I think that it, I thought the media day went well. I think uh, we had a good crew here. Like, we all did our parts and had each other's backs. And I think there's a, a lot of excitement around this team. So I'm stoked. Agreed. Sitting to my left, another new media member uh, for Denver Stiffs. He's been working along with Jenna at Mile High Sports for the last year, but new media member and one of our lead voices at Denver Stiffs this year, it is Brandon Ewing. Brandon, how are you doing, man? I am good, Ryan. I enjoyed my first media day as a member of the Stiffs. I don't think it could have gone any better. This was my third media day. All of them have been with a different site, but I thought this was fantastic. Couldn't have gone any better, and I think we got a lot of good talking points to discuss. Skip's just a blatant mercenary. <laughs> he's, he is completely hired help, and that's okay. Absolutely. Like, there's a reason why he's being hired. Uh, if you hear any residual noise, we are sitting on the club level at Pepsi Center. Lots of movement going on around us, but the media room was taken by people that are writing. We didn't want to bother them, so but we're going to get in right into it because they, will, they wouldn't. All, they also would not 
not let us into Club Lexus, unfortunately. Yeah, hey, I mean, for some reason, they didn't want the Denver Stiffs there. I, I don't, I can't imagine why, but uh, Media Day was an interesting day today. We had all, everybody talk pretty much. One person didn't talk in particular, and that was Mason Plumley. Uh, it, it wasn't specified why he didn't talk. It very well could have been that he had something come up, or it wasn't just requested that he talk, but it seems to me that there was a general expectation that Mason would talk. Jenna, this is the first media day that you've been to here, uh, but you've had some experience with the Colorado Rockies before. Mm -hmm. Uh, How often on these kinds of events do you think players just refuse to talk in these situations? Um, I think that players will refuse to talk after a tough game. I think they'll refuse to talk about maybe... Something, a slip up in conversation, something they said that they shouldn't have said. Uh, Mason Plumley is not that kind of guy, though. Mason Plumley yeah. is super friendly with the media, super welcoming, easygoing, laid back. I, I highly doubt this was him refusing to talk. Right. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I don't think it's uh, in any way like Mason didn't just, just said, no, I'm not talking to media. And we've had that in the past. There was a time when Kenneth Reed on media day did not want to come out. There was a time when Yusuf Nurkic did not want to come out. I don't think this is the case at all. I saw Mace uh, up there doing some things. I think, honestly, it, the schedule went, like we were kind of alluding to before, went a little bit longer than they expected on the on the player side, and, like, Mace just kind of was the the happy recipient of everybody being like, oh, wait, we forgot Mason. And, like, as we all know, none of these players want to talk to the media. It's none of them yeah. going to do it. So if he, if he could slip through the cracks, I'm sure he was fine with that, but I think that's all it is. And I actually had to request that Paul Millsap actually come out. Uh, yeah. So it was it was kind of a, a weird setup, but it, it's it's very possible that this was just a logistical thing. Right. Don't read too much into it. We're excited to see what this entire rotation, including Mason Plumley, can add to this team this upcoming year. Uh, speaking of this upcoming year, the expectations for this season uh, it's it seems to be championship rather than playoffs this season. Uh, Brandon, would you concur with that? Yeah, that, that's what we heard a lot today from the players. And something that really stood out to me, I was talking to, to you guys about it a minute ago, was Nikola Jokic when asked about you know how the West has been growing and more players have come, about who their their biggest competition was. And he said it's not the Lakers, it's not the Clippers, it, it's pretty much just themselves. And they're, right. they're really fighting themselves. And that's something that really a key word that I saw, because when we went to talk with Coach Malone, he said the same exact thing when they were talking about the Western Conference. He said that their biggest enemy is themselves. So that's obviously a little buzzword that the Nuggets are using this season. I think it's something to, to keep an eye on because they really do think that they are the best team in the Western Conference and the only team or players that can really slow them down are themselves and not any other team. Yeah, Coach kind of alluded to that, which I thought was a really interesting quote out of him. He, he kind of mentioned how one of his big tasks this year is to get guys to not be satisfied with just making the playoffs. And I mean, you think about a lot of these guys, I mean, you know Jamal Murray, like for example, is not going to be satisfied uh, just making the playoffs. So I wonder if if it's maybe that message is needed, but they're certainly like they're certainly sending that message to the players right now. They're like, hey, we still have a lot to work to do. We can't be satisfied with just making the playoffs last year. We want to win a championship. It's going to be interesting to see how that develops this year uh, with such a young team. That was that was made mention. Uh, many times during Michael Malone and Tim Connolly's presser that this was one of the youngest teams ever in the playoffs and ever in the playoff picture. And they got a lot of great experience. They had two game sevens for 14 total playoff games. Uh, the one word that I would use to describe this team and kind of the vibe that at media day today was comfortable. 
it really didn't seem like they were shying away from those expectations a lot. Right. Like, like this was this was just kind of the the steps that they had to take, and it, it wasn't like they were reaching very far. It wasn't like they were just trying to push back on the expectations. They really were just kind of comfortable with where the narrative was at. I'd say. Well, and even Will Barton, when asked that question, asked like, "What what is the one word that would describe you guys?" He said, "Confident." And that they they are do feel very confident in those expectations. I think that setting those expectations is tricky and really high. Those are really high expectations to say we're not going to be accepting of this year or this season won't meet our expectations unless we go to a championship. And then some guys like Jamal Murray, unless we win a championship, like his eyes are set on winning that championship. And Malone said it too in his presser that, you know, we're not just going to set low goals. And I think setting goals is great, but setting expectations kind of sounds different to me. Yeah, totally fair. You you heard the the different message from players over the course of these over the course of these interviews. Some of them, like you said, was was hey, finals are bust. Like that's that's where we want to be. That's the expectation that we've set internally and we want to project externally. Some are just hey, let's get better. Let's let's figure that out. Let's let's just not skip steps. Uh, in that process, Tim Connolly's famous line that, that he loves to to continue to throw out there. Uh, Brandon, what's another word, like if you had to pick one word to describe the vibe at Media Day today, what would you say it was? Um, you guys have been talking about the chemistry. I think the one word I'd use is close. You can really tell this Nuggets team is close. They're with one another. They care about each other in... It was cool when we were talking about Michael Porter Jr. because something Malone brought up in uh, the presser was the starting small forward spot and how it's a competition between Porter, Will Barton, Torrey Craig, and Mancho Hernan Gomez. So Porter was asked it, and he said the cool thing about it is all of them compete for each other, but they all root for each other. So it's not like they care who really starts. Obviously, the person wants to start because they play more minutes, but they really are just a team. All they care about is winning, and I think you can really tell that, and that's not the case for some of the other teams in the NBA, and I think – that's what kind of separates the Nuggets from those teams because they are close. They do care about one another. They don't have any egos on the team at all, I don't think. It's definitely developed over the last several years that this team kind of surrounding Nikola Jokic, kind of taking on his vibe. Like He wants to be close with each of the guys, each of his teammates. That's one of the things that I think he personally prioritizes with this group. And he ha- he does it in his own special way. Monte Morris does it in his own special way where he's kind of the, the liaison to the new players that come in and wants them to feel comfortable. Jokic is joking. He's, he's trying to like ease and, and like disarm them a little bit with, with what their expectations are coming in. One guy who's coming in, uh, I think we'll, we'll get to the small forward discussion in the next segments. But Did you one, hear all those words we used? Comfortable, close, yeah. confident, and what was the last what was the one you said? Caring. Yeah, well, that, that's just the Close and caring. The yeah. four C's. Four, the four C's. Yeah, there you go. Sounds like a t-shirt, guys. <laughs> it is oh, an absolute. Oh, hey. The four C's <laughs> keep, of keep Coach it, Malone. Keep it locked into denverstiffs.com <laughs> for right. details. That's right. <laughs> no, it, it really is a testament to, to Tim Conley, his front office, and, and Michael Malone and his coaching staff, just how close they got this group to be and the, the right players they brought in. It's not all about the talent. It's just about the right guys. And you can tell that these guys really feed off one another. And it, it was evident throughout media day when they're talking about themselves the other players on their team, just all-around team goals this year. Right. It feels like 
for the first time maybe this year, because last year they had Isaiah Thomas, who certainly had some individual um, goals that he was trying to accomplish. And not, not to, to say anything against Isaiah, that was that was what he needed to do. This year it feels like, I mean, yes, we have Michael Porter Jr. and there's a lot of uh, hype around him and, and expectations and, and what he can do on the court. But it feels like this is truly one group all together, probably for, at least for the first time since I've been covering the team. And and now it's just like they can just focus on, okay, how do we get how do we get over that hump and get to that next step? It's been great. It's been great to listen to, and you could hear it in a lot of the discussions surrounding the runs over the summer, where they nobody would actually single out any player right. who who was doing really well. But I think the general consensus was everybody did well, and we're all really good. And right. that kind of personifies the this team. I think like Jokic wasn't a part of those runs. Of course, he he's kind of the focal point that the, the MVP candidate, if you will. But everybody else pretty much participated in those, and it, it says a lot that all of those guys are, are more on the same level than uh, than trying to find a true hierarchy. Uh, everybody's together, everybody's supporting each other. Uh, sometimes you want a true hierarchy, but in this case with this team, I think it's probably best that this group feeds off of each other and just knows that success for the team is success for a bunch of the individuals that you really care about. So i uh, tell you what, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will talk more about the small forward competition and Michael Porter Jr. himself. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right, we're back to the Denver Stiff Show, the inaugural episode of the Denver Stiff Show. It's been a great time hanging out with our new media members, uh, the new members of Denver Stiffs here. Jenna Garcia has been great for everything that she's brought to the table with all of the social media aspects and just providing a new, unique voice to the group. Brandon Ewing, you've been a workhorse. You've been somebody who just continues to add to the group and it was one of our leading voices that I'm really excited to have both of you on and both of you are going to help contribute to the podcast over the course of this season. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, as we get into more of this media day discussion, I, I want to get into the actual small forward discussion because I thought that was one of the interesting pieces of today's events. Uh, Michael Malone said uh, verbatim, it is an open competition. Uh, we didn't know how he would react to 
uh, Will Barton's like removing Will Barton from the starting lineup in the playoffs and whether he would go back to him. He made mention of all of the articles that have been written over the summer by various media members. Um, whether he'll say it or not, I'm sure he checked out Denver Stiffs to, to see what our thoughts were as well. But uh, there have been a lot of articles written about the small forward competition and whether it's Will Barton's position still or whether it's an open competition. And uh, Zach, I feel like that was definitely answered in this presser. Yeah, and it was surprising almost to, to get that that candid of an answer um, from Coach. Quick story: uh, Ryan knows that uh, Coach reads the site because when Ryan's first year here on Stiffs, he wrote uh, his his classic <laughs> player power rankings ranked Emmanuel Mudiay as the worst starting point guard in the NBA. Prophetic, some might say. Now, and uh, the very first thing at that time, Adam Morris was a site manager, oh, as you guys know. Uh, immediately, Adam goes into this first his first time like meeting coach, and immediately the first thing coach asks him is, "Are you the guy who wrote that Emmanuel Moody is the worst point guard in the league?" So we're starting. Well, that was that was a major flex by me and a major flex of my my intuition at that point. But it was also probably one of the worst possible things I could have done for Adam Morris in his site managing duties. So as somebody who is now a new site manager, learn from my mistakes and please don't put me under the bus. Uh, That would be wonderful. Uh, But small forward, like Will Barton is the starter, is not the starter. We're going to find out. We don't know, like, and that's, I mean, at least if you're if you're basing off what Coach said, and now uh, we know Coach sometimes likes to play games with, with his press conferences, but um, if you're if you're taking Coach at face value, then like, yeah, this is apparently an open competition, and apparently he's got four guys that he mentioned um, as competing for that spot, and so, you know, I kind of tried to push him on that a little bit and ask, well, is it more about, like, when you're looking at preseason training camp, is it more about how good one guy is just playing individually? Or are you also taking, you know, how much are you taking into account how he fits? And coach kind of made it seem like it's more about, you know, the fit than really it is just the individual performance. You know, he said a guy can score 18 points a game uh, and shoot 50% from the field. But if he's not fitting in with the rest of our team, he's not going to be the guy who's going to be the starter. So that I think is the number one thing to watch for as we're going through uh, preseason is not only who's playing the best, but who's, Who's working with Nicola? Who's working with Monty Morris? Who's making just being part of the team instead of trying trying to show out? Well, and Monte alluded or talked about the same thing. He said it doesn't matter to me whether I, I start or don't start. What matters is the fit of the five that are on the floor. So whether you're the second rotation or the first rotation, it's just about fitting um, to kind of belabor the point. But I also think like I think Malone kind of knows who he's leading towards him. Yeah, I, I think he's agree. telling us that it's an open competition, but I think he's inclined towards one or two of the guys, and it's really between two guys that he's really thinking about. Now, obviously, Wancho had a great summer. Is it NBA great, though? Right. Is FIBA, yeah. a FIBA world champion right. the same really as translate as an NBA world cha- NBA champion? We're going to find out. That's that's. I think that's one of the main storylines heading into training camp in Colorado Springs tomorrow and throughout the rest of the week. Uh, I would expect that the narrative that we hear coming out of those sessions is that different guys are running with the ones. Uh, you'll have Murray, Jokic, Harris, Millsap, if, if all of those guys are suiting up at any given point. And then they will rotate between, maybe Barton will get the first crack, or maybe Tory Craig will get an opportunity on Wednesday, or maybe it's Porter's opportunity. And then they'll, they'll cycle through those guys and see who works well with who, uh, if only to kind of ver- or validate the point that, that Malone has kind of come to that 
come to that assumption that he's going to go with one guy, maybe another guy. Uh, I'm interested to see how that plays out. Brandon, uh, the small forward position is a really important spot for this unit, as we saw in the playoffs. Yeah. It kind of turned the tide in the San Antonio series. Uh, Barton was just wasn't kind of himself in that series and clearly hampered by injuries. Uh, Torrey Craig came in, provided great defense on DeMar DeRozan, uh, continued to provide solid defense against Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum in the next series. Who would you say do you think has the advantage going into camp? Yeah, so I know how Malone mentioned those four guys, but right now I'd say it's a two-man race between Barton and Craig, obviously, for the for the reasons you talked about. I think that Barton could probably be the leader in the clubhouse just because you said he didn't start in the playoffs because he was coming back from those injuries, and he still was hampered by those. So I think he'll definitely get the first crack at it. But with it being mostly with the fit and how he – uh, plays with the other four starters. Torrey Craig does have a really good chance because he showed that in the playoffs last year because he got a lot better shooting three-pointers, which the Nuggets said they're going to do a lot more of this year, and he played really good defense. So I think it's a it's a two-man battle between Craig and Barton, but, I mean, if Wancho or Michael Porter Jr. you know start playing well, it's going to be hard to keep them out of the race too and definitely get them some minutes. You mentioned the, the three-point uh, discussion. That was one of the first things that Michael Malone led off with in terms of something that he wanted to improve on the offensive end of the floor. I thought that that was a really interesting point. Hey, we're going to get 32 threes a game. We had 32 threes a game. We'd like to up that. Uh, do you think that might lead into the uh, debate on who should play small forward? Do you think that they would so go we, with the guy who's more totally, of a three shooter? We're totally ignoring Malik in this position. Well, you I know, think, that's an interest, it's interesting because that you I really say think that. Malik fits more if we're if you're thinking defensively, which is what I was thinking for the small forward position because of the playoffs last year. Then Malik is kind of out of that conversation. But sure. So would Wancho, and so would MPJ. Technically, by what we know so uh, far. Yeah, what we know so far. But for sure. if we're talking three point shooting, then there's different candidates that fill that role better. Potentially MPJ, potentially Malik. Uh, it's possible that Tori also fits that role with how he shot in the he playoffs did shoot last year. Good in the playoffs, he yeah. shot well. I, I will say it was a definite low volume total, uh, a small yeah, so sample like size. Yeah, but but if you're hitting them, if you're consistently drawing guys away from the main action, then maybe that's something that they go with. Uh, maybe that's something that they play around and camp with and see. Hey, is this guy really spacing the floor well? They're going to track three point shots during all of the five on five scrimmages. How are those guys shooting in those in those scrimmages? Are they hitting their open shots? Are they missing their open shots? Are they having to deal with closeouts and not being able to do that? So we're gonna we're gonna have to see how that goes. Uh, Porter specifically, uh, he's the full package uh, at, at full strength. Right. He's a guy that they've that uh, Mike Schmitz of ESPN talked about his shooting and and how he thought that that would in particular, translate to the NBA. If shooting is one of the big advantages that Malone is trying to uh, kind of like improve this year, is is that the direction that you think that they go? Do you think that it's, it's viable in any way that Michael Porter Jr. starts this year? I do think it's, it's definitely viable, but I think it, something that he mentioned in his press conference was that the coaches have really talked to him about how he has the, the capability of becoming an elite defender. And I think 
and to tie into the Malik Beasley conversation as well, Malik, if you put, start him at small forward, you got to remember Gary and Jamar are both six foot four. So if you put Malik in there too, you're really undersized at sure. the perimeter. And I think defense more so than shooting is actually what's going to define who wins this role. Now we know and we saw last year with Tory Craig, if you flat out can't shoot like he couldn't in the beginning of the year, like you're not going to get the job. Is that just bogs up the whole offense? But if Michael Porter Jr. can just be good at shooting, like we all suspect he can, but also really throw himself at the defensive side, really give the effort there, then I think he's got a great chance because the fact of the matter is you can't coach length. Like the guy is six foot ten at the small forward position. That is a problem for anyone, just the wingspan alone, let alone the effort, the defensive IQ, etc. So if he's if he truly is gonna commit to that and, and really try and make that a part of his game, then I think he's got a great chance of starting. You're right. And he commented on that, like how coaches were telling him that and I think that that's a really big thing to like like kind of like a trigger or whatever because you're seeing this is what my coach wants me to do. And like, they're trying to coach him into that role, but you know, hopefully I, do I think he'll start like game one of the season? No. He'd have to have like an amazing preseason. It would, it would He'd be... have to be feeling 110%. And I don't think the thing is there is, there is precedent for it. Uh, during 2009, Blake Griffin sat out of his rookie season, then came back and, and was rookie of the year the, the next season. Uh, ben Simmons came back and, and immediately became the rookie of the year his season. Uh, Joel Embiid, though he was limited, uh, he had sat out two full years and then came back and at least provided some starting minutes. On those teams, the expectations were far lower. Right. Uh, and and the options for Philadelphia with Ben Simmons specifically were either him or TJ McConnell. Mm-hmm. So it's not like that was a great like they weren't in a place of strength there. Uh, I am intrigued on whether any of those guys uh, have the skill because they, they didn't really have the skill set that Michael Porter Jr. has coming into it. He was compared to Kevin Durant. Like that's right. that's a real thing that people continue to do, and everybody in this facility has had glowing reports of Michael Porter Jr. so far. That, that, I think that's one of the predominant narratives right. during this media day. Yeah, well, and I, I mean, I think it's. Michael Porter Jr. is going to be the narrative for a lot of this season uh, as long as he's healthy where he's playing what he's doing I mean nobody on this team draws a bigger national audience than that guy and the second guy the person who draws the second biggest national audience is Bull Bull who's probably not going to really see the court at all so like I expect him to dominate uh, the narrative around this team especially from a national perspective but also from uh, a local perspective because what we've been told and if he can be a defender like we've talked about like you add that player to this team and it changes it definitely changes your at least my perception on you know now you say okay yeah maybe if things break right they could actually they could win the championship if Michael Porter Jr. is is everything he's hyped to be then it's like this is a team should, who should expect to compete and win championships every single year it's it's a it's something I'm definitely looking forward to talking about and writing about in the future uh, trying to observe at, at Colorado Springs where training camp is taking place this season uh, there's there's going to be talk both on record and off record about how Michael Porter Jr. is progressing, and I feel like as as you said, that could be the defining aspect of Denver's season. Another defining aspect, I think, is Jamal Murray. Uh, he and a variety of other people have talked about stepping up into a more of a leadership role. Right. Michael Malone said that his goal this year for for or at least that Murray's internal goals are 
uh, a championship for the for the Nuggets and to be an All Star. Uh, there's a certain precedent that you have to have for not only your on court play but also being a leader and and truly showcasing that on this 54 win team last year that you're trying to make 58 or 60 wins. Jamal Murray really has to step up, right? And not necessarily like in statistically, but also kind of the narrative around him. It really has to be a big two with him and Jokic as opposed to a big one. Uh, Brandon, was was that kind of the the message that you got from Jamal and from people talking about Jamal today? Yeah, no, because <clears throat> when uh, when Tim Conley was asked about Jamal Murray, he said that consistency part is a big thing that he needs to continue to work on. And he, he noted to how Jamal's kind of started the last few seasons slow, and it, he's looking for him to get off to a better start. And then, like you alluded to, Malone mentioned how this team really is Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray's team, so they just have to act like that. They have to be the leaders on and off the floor, whether that's by talking or just being silently. It sounded like Malone really wanted – uh, Murray to take that vocal step forward as a leader, and I think that's something that he can do. And then when Murray was talking, the things that stood out to me was they uh, they asked him what did he learn most from that playoff run last year, and he had the the buzzwords like intensity, dedication, discipline, and just the focus on the details. And I think that focus on the details is what's going to be huge for him to actually have a solid start to the season. That's only going to help him build and hope that this Nuggets team can make another deep playoff run. All right, some quick hitters before we get out of here. Jenna, what are your expectations for, for this team going down into training camp? Are you are you more thinking, hey, we're going to hear some positive things? Uh, do you think Michael Malone will be hard on this team? And, and with the added expectations, what do you think is, is going to be the general message? I think this team knows what Malone expects of them. I think they know who Malone is. I think, you know, and Malone is a nice guy. He's a really nice mm-hmm. guy, and he's a friend to most of these players, and he's their coach as well. But I think he'll push them. I think you can expect that they'll be more than ready to go, training at altitude. And I think if I have a hot take for training camp. Sure, let's hear it. Um, I think Malone didn't mention Malik in that conversation for small forward, not just because it would make the, the backcourt pretty small, but also because I don't think that they're going to be able to afford Malik. Yeah, and that's kind of yeah. what we haven't really touched on. Um, here they, you know, that we uh, we've heard that the Nuggets are working with Wancho and Malik um, on a new extension, but you know Tim Connolly was boy he he did one and nothing, and yeah, exactly, right and, and some of that's just the way Connolly is. Oh, and it um, should be, right? You know, he doesn't right. need to be telling us that kind of exactly. stuff. Exactly, but if they were like really close, like don't you think he would have been like, well, we feel we feel we're pretty close. confident about these yeah. guys, you know? Yeah, I and Wancho is far cheaper, right? Yeah, far cheaper for a bench player, Malik right. is is a great player who would be starting for another team. Malik did not commit today to saying like like his personal goals were starting or anything like that. He really just he continued to push the championship message and focusing on the team. But you have to know deep down he really wants to start. He really wants to to prove himself in this league. One of the more competitive guys in that locker room. I agree. And he's also one of the better guys in the NBA and at that at that shooting guard position with a high ceiling up. Uh, let's let's just go thirty seconds each. Uh, Brandon, your your lasting takeaway from from this event? This Nuggets team is ready for a championship run, man. I think that they're ready to rock. I'm excited to see Michael Porter for training camp. That's the thing I really want to watch that small forward battle, and I'm just ready to see him actually playing a game on October eighth. Hopefully, uh, he's healthy once we get there. Because uh, if he if he's healthy and he's ready to rock, I really think he can help this Nuggets team. And like they said, it's a close knit group. 
Uh, all the players mentioned that. They have a lot of chemistry, and you can definitely tell that their goal is a championship, and the only team standing in the way of that is themselves. So. Jenna, your thoughts? I mean, I gave you my best thoughts a second ago. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, I, I'm definitely new to this whole hosting well, thing. No, this those is, are my best ones. My best <laughs> I, I, did, I do like that. <laughs> I think that... I think it's unfortunate. I am excited as well. I think this team has has themselves standing in their way and has a huge ceiling um, of they're talented they're incredibly talented and I love that they're all in on the one goal together um, it's nice not to have like players pitted against each other you know they all just want to get to that goal and if that means that Wancho starts if that means right. that Tor- and you saw it last year yeah. Wancho started Tori started Barton started Malik started there were everybody started in that position so they're not about who's starting they're about who's winning and if, if as long as their whole team is winning they're good and I think that's the road to success and you gotta really tip your hat to Michael Malone for the culture that he's built in that locker room with those guys is there such a thing as too many guys yeah there is unfortunately because in the NBA there's only so much money and unfortunately they're gonna lose somebody who's a great player um, whether that's Wancho or Malik or somebody else, but they're not going to be able to pay all ball. Could be Tory. Could be Jeremy Grant. Uh, he's not. He's not like totally locked in yet. So Millsap on an expiring contract. Contract as well. Uh, my one takeout takeaway. Uh, Vlaco season is here. Let's, yes. let's, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it, man. Is that your guy? He's, Vlaco is my guy. I am the head of the Vlaco Chancher. I believe I've, I've been called the original Chan Stan is the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the phrase that's used. No, but um, Vlaco looks good. I think he's going to be uh, – he's not going to get too many minutes. I forgot to ask him about G League um, and whether or not he'll play there. But uh, otherwise, it just uh, echo what you guys have said. I think this team is uh, – it's the first time uh, in my life – since well, I should say that, since 2010 being the only other time where you walked into the season being like this team is competing for a championship and everybody knows about it. So that's that's exciting times for Nuggets fans. Some people are definitely more hesitant on this team nationally. I'm not. You guys aren't. I know that this team has definitely proven themselves time and time again in these difficult scenarios. And like I said earlier, this team's comfortable. They know where the, they know who they are. They know where they want to be, and it wasn't any more evident than than just speaking to everybody, engaging their thoughts today at media day. All right, that's going to do it for the first episode of the Denver Stiff Show. Excited to have you guys on. Uh, this is going to be great. We are looking forward to doing this every Friday. Uh, there will be one, probably not this Friday, just because it's a weird training camp schedule, but probably on Saturday, we will have a new episode of the Denver Stiff Show. I live will have from a, Gordon's Couch. Yeah, live from Gordon's Couch, who lives in Colorado Springs, and I will be staying there. Uh, I am Ryan Blackburn. have Zach Mikosh, Jenna Garcia, Brandon Ewing on. We're going to be with you guys the entire season. Really excited to get this thing kicked off and see where it goes from here. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.